0: Pelotero Pickle episode 111. This is the last episode of the 2022 campaign. It's been a fun year. We I mean we did a lot of episodes, probably like 40 or so episodes. We missed a few weeks in the summer, but uh, it's been fun. Up, to, up over 100 episodes now. This episode in particular, we're talking uh we're talking Christmas gifts. Chris uh Chris is wearing a gift, I'm wearing a gift. You got to listen to find out what we're wearing as gifts talk about the concept of swing therapists and what Chris wanted most for Christmas in terms of hitting. We talk about some heavy bad stuff and uh, the Carlos Correa deal. On a bigger picture with Pelotero, we've got some some really fun stuff that should be announced this week. We have uh, ABCA coming up January 5th through 8th, so we're pretty excited about that. We have a booth this year, so make sure you come visit us if you're planning on being at ABCA. But uh, in terms of things that are available, things that are happening with Pelotero, we've got uh, three, I guess, three different channels, three different ways to work with us that we're going to be talking about. So option one is we work with players directly. We're going to have a like a hitter mentorship program, remote training. Uh, we'll have a facility package that is all about helping facilities get results with players and then season packages. So high schools, travel ball teams, college programs, ways to uh ways to help you guys win ball games. Help y'all win ball games. So really excited about what's coming out, really excited about the team that we have, getting ready to roll this out. And uh yeah, we're we're looking to to start 2023 with a bang and have some fun with us. So this. So, it's a fun episode. Check it out and uh yeah, 2023 here we come. Pelotero Pickle episode 111, the Triple Ones episode. I've never called it that before. Before we get started, a reminder send us emails to pickle at Pelotero.com or hit us up on Twitter at Pelotero Pickle. You can also hit us up on Instagram at Pelotero App. And I think TikTok is Pelotero Corp because Pelotero App was taken or we had confusion with the, uh, the setup process there. Either way, send us your topics, let us know what's going on. Joining me as always is Chris Colabello. Chris, how are you doing?
1: Good, Robert. How are you?
0: You seem very enthused today. That was it's the very day after high Christmas. I appreciate man. That it, all you.
1: all that people do is they wear their presents. I bet you you're you wearing a present. Are you wearing a present?
0: Uh socks. Socks. I was gonna I was gonna talk about I that. Are you wearing a present? I am presents?
1: wearing one present. Um, what are you wearing? This, quarter zip um
0: is that uh is that lulu yep. sure is i actually busted out my lulu i don't know where the, the tag is where's the lulu i still tag?
1: actually haven't pulled oh, yeah, the actual tag off it's still on here. You still tag. <laughs> okay. um,
0: below the belt let's keep it below the belt I've, uh, yeah.
1: this is the first christmas in the history of 39 years of christmases that I have no presents to return. Really? First time?
0: You're a big, you're a big present returner.
1: I'm I a big, I'm not a big present returner. I'm a returner. big get bad presencer. But for the first time, you want to hear what my bed, my best? It's, it's all out of love, right? <laughs>
0: that's a weird. That's a weird.
1: It's because I'm an big, only child.
0: You, just, you just threw a lot of people in your life. Oh yeah, the well,
1: I mean, I love my parents dearly. But the problem being an only child is you get all the love directed at you. And that turns into, like, outdo your own level of presenting slash loving slash being an Italian momming. So that being said, she always just tries, she tries like some magical gift that I didn't ask for. And through the years, I've gotten better at being direct. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. So I'm going to bring it back. And this is the first time ever. My mom did a really good job. listening to me. This was also the first time my mother waited till the day before Christmas. Said she almost did a good job of not asking me what she should bring over for the holidays. And just, I said, because my answer is mom, I don't care. Just bring over whatever you want. She asked the day before I said, good job, Mom. next year, you'll just bring it. And we don't have to worry about it. Guess how many trays of food my mom brought for a woman who didn't ask what anybody wanted. And we didn't ask her to make anything. Guess how many trays of food she brought up? Thirteen. Seven, plus a bag with homemade bread. So seven full.
0: But the tray—I'm sure that the trays were probably yeah, keeping
1: like seven of the.
0: Food. It could have been thirteen what trays. Because what do they call, what are they call the
1: uh, the burner things? What do they call like the
0: uh the, the little candles up going underneath the trays? Yeah, those, those tray things?
1: sizes, seven of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, it's full, full on catering situation. Sixteen
1: people at my house.
0: How many? Sounds about right.
1: And we could have fed all sixteen of them three times comfortably.
0: I mean, you're Italian. What do you what? What do you? One thing gonna I am going to
1: say that was upsetting: no pie. Nobody made a pie. There wasn't an apple pie. On a chocolate cream pie, not that I would have eaten that. But there was no pie. It's the first holiday I've ever gone to without Sounds a pie. Sounds like,
0: uh, did you maybe consider contributing a pie? I made did the, you mi- you I made the, the mistake of not guess?
1: making my, uh, my go-to dessert, which is strawberry shortcake. But I did ad lib because we found a biscuit and I had blueberries and we had whipping cream. So I made a blueberry biscuit cake.
0: Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. We had a nice Christmas. We had a uh, nice, quiet Christmas Day itself. Well, not quiet, but just family uh, being down in Texas now. Not away, not close to immediate family, but we did have a nice uh, Christmas Eve gathering amongst friends, which was very good. Did a little taco night because, obviously, Texas taco night. Uh, it was good. And I am wearing a gift. I am wearing socks, the Bombas. I uh, I've seen them forever. I need to make sure. I need to double check but it's b-o-b-o-m-b-a-s bombas the socks i guess they have shirts and undies too according to google pretty sure it was created by a company created by kids in uh at babson but the whole thing is like they if you buy stuff then they give it away kind of like what tom's did uh phenomenal socks i, I mentioned on a call earlier earlier today it's <clears> not <throat> a snob about pens and i'm a pair of a snob about socks these are really good socks. Highly recommend. If you like socks, get some the other Bombas. The thing I know about
1: Bombas, they're, they're, they're featured fantastic. on Shark Tank.
0: Were they Shark Tank? They're, they're very comfortable. They're very cozy. It's like a good combination of cushioning. But some of the – I got some socks from Nike a while ago that are like performance socks. They get all sweaty and they get really uncomfortable. These things are – I have
1: no requirements Highly for socks recommend. other than having ankle socks that actually stay on. You get really upset when yeah. they
0: These ones out. are good. These ones are good. They have like, it's like a, they call it like a hex something. There's like, I think a B or like a, the honeycomb is kind of a pattern in what they do. These are the exact ones I got. I got the men's double cuff, all purpose performance ankle sock. Holy smokes. If somebody spent that much money on these socks, thank you. Uh, those are expensive. <laughs> That's why they're so good. 50 bucks for a three pack. Yeah, Yikes. Like-
1: if you buy them individually, they're, good they're socks. Like, uh, like $18 a pair. That's
0: the exact pack I got. Somebody spent 50 50- Thank you. I know exactly who got it from, but I'll say thank you again because I didn't realize I spent that much money a pair. <laughs> Three socks for 50 bucks. That's The quality reflects the price. I'll put it that way. They're very good socks. Uh, I also got a Marvel shirt from my youngest daughter. They got to pick us gifts this year, which was great. Uh, Cohen got me a football, like a Nerf football which is awesome because she thinks she told me I could throw it far. And uh, Robbie got me a Marvel shirt and I opened it. I was on FaceTime with my dad and he's like, I didn't know you like Marvel. And I was like, I love Marvel. And I was waking up. <laughs> like, See, this would be a, a scenario where I would I tell
1: my daughter directly, I'd be like, this is a terrible gift. I'm going to need you to learn at a young age. This is bad.
0: It's not a terrible gift because it's, it's about, it, it's a, it's not about that at all. So now every time I wear that shirt, I'm yeah, gonna think about it's her. Yeah, great. It's, I it's could like, think about her awesome. wearing
1: a Lululemon top, a polo quarter zip sweater. Functionality, functionality. So you, functionality. I would, I would, yeah. Like this is why in 2022 we're gonna be nice. I'm being mean. I'm sorry. It's not about I'm being nice. It. I'm it's just kidding' I'm her, being, her thoughtfulness, I'm being and her
0: sharing. She, yeah. Yeah, that's a word to, to use there. No, it was sweet. It was sweet. She found a shirt that she thought I would love. And she, she didn't even for pay it. for it her with her own
1: money. So, like, what are we doing? Not the point. Dude, I Not get it. Point. I'm just uh, um, I'm just being, a, I'm being no, great. a day after Grinch. Leave me alone.
0: All right. Uh, Tom Brady pulled one off last night. That's good. It's bad, though. They're going to... That game was tough. I watched starting in like the third the quarter it was gonna work, bad. and then I haven't I haven't watched too many games. I watched that, and it was not enjoyable. They couldn't move the ball. They're turning it over. Just seems sloppy. I don't know. I I'm kind of a Patriots fan, but I'm a Patriots fan when they were good. So I just like that's when I watched. The, I've never been a big football guy. So when I when you watch the Patriots for so long, and it's just like there's an expectation that they're going to pull it off. Like no matter what, they're just going to win. And then you watch sloppy football, and it's you know, just not enjoyable. I've watched it's zero games
1: wire-to-wire this year. It's the first time in 20 years, probably. NFL's bad right now. There's Patrick said this before the show. There's three teams that are good, which is the number that basically – I think it's maybe who four. Those, who are those teams? Kansas City's fine. Are the Eagles good? The Bills are fine. The Eagles are good.
0: The Vikings. Yeah, just but keep Minnesota might be a that.
1: fraud. Nobody knows yet. Dallas is probably a fraud.
0: They just beat the Eagles. That
1: it's just there's like three good teams. There's the most like six and eight, seven and nine teams that are in playoff contention in the history of the game because there's like six teams that are tanking. Jacksonville's seven and eight, and they might win the division the Buccaneers are seven and eight, and they're probably gonna win the division. It's bad. It's just bad. Like the the brand of game is bad. The NBA, on the other hand, is just gaining steam. Aaron Gordon's dunk last night was obnoxious. Let's put it that way.
0: I didn't see it. I'm not I, I'm also not a big NBA-er. I watch sometimes primarily because of uh, producer Patrick, and he gets fired up. NBA he gets on Christmas. About it. I do appreciate the skill. The skill level between the NBA and NCAA is unbelievable if you don't watch both. Um, I was I was thinking about this because I saw a thing about the, the G League and how somebody was just torching it up, and I'm like, why isn't that guy – like what? how good do you need to be to be able to get moved up? Like, what's the equivalent? Like, a, a, is G League AAA? Is it AA? Is it?
1: I mean, it, it uh, depends. How, you, how do I think about on this? the context of what type of player you are. Like, if you're a, if you're like a swing guy that's supposed to be a scorer, you have you have to dominate. Like, you have to be a dominant G League player. So, you like Jeremy Lin went down to the G League and then came back, and and did really well. Jeremy Lin had a nice career. Like, you, if you. If you're a good player, you'll know you'll be noticed in the G League, let's put it that way. And you could go to the NBA and have no impact, depending on what the rotation for a team is. And things like that. It- and it depends on the circumstance of the squad that you play for so much, too. Like, Peyton Pritchard got no, mit- no minutes for the Celtics last night until the end of the game. And I love Peyton Pritchard. He's awesome. But he played, like, mop-up time. And he's a really good shooter. Like, if Peyton Pritchard was on the right team, he might be an 18-point-per-game guy as just a, a perimeter shooter threat type guy. Like, if he if he played for... I'm trying to think of a bad team right now. I don't even know who's bad in the Eastern Conference. Um, who's bad? Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. But it depends on the circumstance in the NBA. There's a lot of good players.
0: Yeah, I, I'll take your word for it because I don't know for sure. Uh, let's get into topics today because we don't have a bunch of them, but they should be good. Topic number one our friend, friend of the program, Joe Cunha, said, I'm coining the new term swing therapist. I'll add it to the bio because Joey and I have a, a running joke about our bios. On when, so when when he calls me, the thing that pops up is really long. Yours is professional rotational hit athlete. Um, Joey's keeps changing. Let me, let me try to find it real quick so I can I can give proper context. Joey's currently a snake oil salesman, secret leg kick barrel tip guy. Nice. So when he calls me, that pops up, which is fun. So now I need to add swing therapist. You've used that term before and I pointed that out to him immediately because you've talked about swing therapist and how I guess the, the, the topic of the, the conversation what I want to have about this is what is the role of a hitting coach at different levels? And also at different times of the year. Because you always say major league hitting coaches really they're 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 therapists more than they are mechanics. They're guys. good high fivers. So where's yeah, take us take us through I guess professional baseball and you can you can run us through the full gamut of what was what was a hitting coach like in any ball versus double A AA versus AAA versus big leagues. And then across different organizations. Well,
1: too. so in indie ball, you basically don't get coached at all, right? You have no coaching whatsoever. You just kind of are there, and the people are like, "Hey, man, do a good job."
0: No, ain't no player development coordinator in indie yeah, ball. Just
1: do a good job, <laughs> and then you'll keep your job. And if you do a bad job, then you might keep your job if we like you, but probably not. Um, yeah, there's like no coaching in independent ball whatsoever, and then you get to affiliated. And at the lower levels, they try to be very structured, right? And now you're, you're seeing the game shift into this systematic approach to how we take BP on every given day, and what ball delivery mechanisms we're going to use, and you're defeating the purpose of what, what you're supposed to be doing, which is individualizing, right? Like you're supposed to supposed to build critical thinkers build guys that have freedom of thought and that understand how to interpret their own swings and their own thoughts and their own ideas and really the piece that you need from a hitting coach is to be somebody that's there to support you because the minor leagues a lot of weird stuff happens right you see guys go up you see guys go down um in the lower levels of the minor leagues it's the first time in your career you've played every day and it's it's weird to think about because you sit there and you go play every day. That's great. And I loved it. And it was awesome. The psychological effects of playing every day can be daunting. I, it's the, I don't I really don't think it's the physical parts that are hard. So when you're trying very hard to establish to a young player, how to be a pro trying to like force him into early work and you know, make them hit machine and things like that, which it, it ends up being, I don't know. I, again, like I would rather have a weekly like classroom check-in with guys if I were the hitting coach. Um, does that make sense? Like I would, that's what I would rather do.
0: It's yeah. The making people do the work versus teaching them how to think is very different. I, I played golf randomly. There was, a, we got paired with this, a lawyer one time randomly. He was, we were threesome and he got thrown in the group. And, um, I remember him saying law school is about learning how to think like a lawyer. It's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta learn the policies. You gotta learn the rules and the laws and blah, blah, blah. Um, but you need to learn how to think. And that's the most important part. So in the context of hitting, learning how to think through an at bat, learning how to deal with failure, learning how to make adjustments on the fly, without the crutch of somebody telling you. I think, is that kind of more what you're getting at? Where you're like, you got like teaching people how to think, teaching people how to kind of plot through a game, plot through at bats.
1: How about something as simple as this? There were, for three years, I would face these guys throwing two seam sinker ballers. And I would ground out the short three times. <laughs> And I walk back to the dugout and be like, man, that pitch is right down the middle. Why am I it out? And Getty would always be just casually be like, Chris, it's a ball. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? It's a ball. It's right down the middle. And I'm thinking he's an idiot, but then you start to understand like how pitch shapes affect how you should approach them and how you as a hitter, should be swinging at any given pitch type or location for that matter. And I, I think those are, those are conversations that nobody ever had with me until I got to professional baseball and started figuring this stuff out a little bit on my own a little bit through dialogue, but mainly because I pride, right. I got pride into information from guys that had been there and done it before. Um, and you know, it's, I just feel like we can educate better. I, I I don't think, and I think this hard part of the hard paradigm with what's happened in the game. You hire facility owner X or non-professional player Y to go coach at a high level. And, and they've just never had experience like this. So don't, like they don't know the difference between a two seamer and a four seamer at 94. Like, and if you don't know it, if you haven't felt it, like you you can describe it, but it's, I guess it lacks authenticity in some capacity, but which is what I'm not saying those guys can't coach, but they, they need to be better people, people, which is, and they need to be willing to learn and ask questions, which to the point, like the big league hitting coach is supposed to be a therapist. And as you go through his progression, it goes early minor leagues. You're being more told what to do to, by the time you get to the big leagues, it's like you tell people what to do. You know, it's, the other way around like my brooke jacoby was just great he was really good at high fives and i loved brooke like i think he he was great he he was what what the toronto blue jays needed in 2015
0: when it comes to actually making swing changes or making adjustments what does that <clears throat> i guess what does that look like at the big league level versus are like you go online, you see like, oh, this person, this coach screwed this guy up, or this guy helped this guy. <clears throat> How small are these adjustments? What's the? I mean, they're not doing overhauls at the big league level. Is it just? Is it tricking kit guys into into falling into patterns? And is that okay? It it's funny because we were talking about this on the the thread the uh, the motor the the motor preference thread <laughs> about. Tiger Woods said Mo Norman was the only golfer that ever showed up knowing his swing was going to be right. So if you've looked into golf whatsoever, Google Mo Norman, see what pops up. This guy was like uh, just a character in the golf world. Interesting. I guess there's a story that he got like ran over by a car when he was younger. His brain was different, whether he was autistic or whatever. I, I don't even know how to classify him but there was like brain trauma and then his brain did something different and this guy just hit golf ball straight. That's Where? what he did. And any, anybody that would ever talk about golf says Mo Norman is like the most pure striker of the golf ball ever. So he would show up every day knowing his swing was going to be good. Tiger Woods said he's the only guy that would show up. Tiger Woods, the other, like one of the greatest golfers of all time, no questions asked, one of the greatest ever, showed up to the course with doubt. So major league players, best – what, 350 players in the world, whatever the number is, based on roster sizes now, 400 hitters, they show up to the field with doubt. They show up to the field unsure of how their swing is going to play that day. That's, I told the story about Cohen learning that mommy and daddy spell words wrong. How about that for just like, hey, relax. If you don't feel great on a given day, Aaron Judge doesn't feel good every day. Mike Trout doesn't feel good every day. Like, Like, there's got to be a level of take a deep breath. I'm not that bad. We don't ex- or this isn't so traumatic we don't explain this that to people, I can't dude. perform today cuz I don't feel we good. We don't
1: explain this to people yeah. when when they're young. We don't explain it. And if we do, a lot of times it probably falls on deaf ears or we don't do a good enough job. So I, I'm going to I'm going to sidebar this, right? And I'm going to or I'm going to take it down a different path. So yesterday I'm I'm watching, I'm scrolling through social and and uh Gary V's talking about the effects of chat GBT on the education system and how teachers are freaking out that people are going to write papers a certain way. And his whole contention was, he's a push the limits innovate type of guy. And I agree with him. Technology shouldn't stop us from educating if anything, it should help us. Teachers have been doing things a certain way for 100 years. And because of that they're, they're worried that their their now busy work, their homework, their assignments are going to be overlooked. Like It's spectacular that we can write a paper in three seconds on any given topic, right? Because that busy work is not the true crux of what the education is meant to do. The education is knowing the information. It's not putting it into proper phrasing on a piece of paper. Now, I will say we should probably do a better job of learning the English, the English language and omitting words that are sentence fillers like like and um and do better at those aspects but the point is can we can we use this as a tool and really teach more practical application and critical thinking skills about how to apply the information because no matter what chat gpt learns how to do it's it's not going to be able to learn how to change a pipe right? Unless till we build the robots and things like that, but that's neither here nor there. So we have to have the application for information. The information is not, it's not the the, the thing. How do you go apply the information? So we have to teach people how to apply information. And it's the same thing with hitting. How do we apply information, right? And, And the biggest fear that I have to your point about Cohen, I'm sorry to be kind of a run on, you look at the 14 year old kid, society 2022, America access to everything, social media playing in tournament here connect with California player a and Texas player B and Florida player C those are things you and I never did growing up. Correct. Right. Very rarely did we get thrown into that kind of exposure. So what happens is you connect with player A and connect with player B and connect with player C. And all those dudes at some point are posting some shit about how good they are on their own social media feeds, right? Fair? Oh, I committed here. I yeah. did this at tournament there. So think about think about what that represents. And I've alluded to this before. You get this false sense of everybody's better than you because every day you're getting bombarded with somebody's doing something better than you. So you feel this urgency and this need to be perfect, I guess is the way to describe it. It's some scary shit, dude. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
1: why everybody needs a swing therapist. That's why because you're terrified that you're not good enough. You're terrified that you're not up to snub that you're terrified there's somebody better all the time.
0: Yeah, and if you show weakness, I think a lot of the time weakness is—it's like your whoop score telling you you're not good enough that day. So you just—it creates this like weird dynamic where saying that you don't feel great for a particular day, or saying that you're not—you're not sure, you're not super confident in how you feel, or whatever that looks like—doesn't mean you go don't go out and compete to the best of your ability. It doesn't mean you're not going to go out there and go four for four. It doesn't dictate your results whatsoever. But that's. But there's like this, there's this fear that if you like communicate that you don't feel confident or commun- if you, if you open up that, that if you, if you twist the lid off that one thing that you're protecting, there's this fear that you're not, you're, you're, you're exposing yourself in some way that you're creating this liability instead of just understanding like, yeah, this is where I'm at today. So what? Like, I'm still going to go out and compete. I'm still going to go do what I'm going to do. I'm still going to try to help my team win. Like what things change when you, when you open that up? So I think most people think when, if they admit they don't feel good, they're, they're going to just succumb to failure it, that day, which is not we're talking about at this
1: stuff all the time. The most, the, the, the greatest thinkers of our generation, the most educated, the smartest are always the ones that tell you they don't know everything because they're always trying to push the thresholds and try to learn more. The, the most successful are the ones that are able to tell you that they're not that good. And it's that's been uniform across the board for me. Like, I don't know, I, like the most successful people I know don't walk around telling me how good they are at everything. They don't, they don't tell me that they're perfect and they know everything. Um, they certainly have for the most part attitude and some form of arrogance, the right kind of arrogance where they, they're confident who they are. Cause it's they're blending what they know with the fact that they don't know everything. Right. So it's, it's that fine line of balance that hitters need, which is why we need swing therapists, which is why the bullshit that's going around the industry right now, if you open up social media, there's a hitting coach somewhere or a swing coach somewhere telling a kid, I know that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And I know your swing stinks. It's like, you're a you're wrong. Sure. Are there, are there levels of right Ness or like to, to a swing, to swing characteristics. Sure. But where do they come from? What are the overarching themes behind them and are there different versions of good? And, And the answer is clearly yes, because no two humans move the same, right? We know that no two humans move the same. So, building foundational concepts of we're, swing. We're
0: blending into your Christmas. You're blending into topic two here, which is your Christmas wish. Well, it's topic one. It.
1: It's all tied in together.
0: Yeah. There, I, mean, I think everything we talk about is tied together. So, this was uh, your tweet. All I want for Christmas is for the hitting world to understand that we're hurting more players than we're helping by making them believe that there's a right way to swing. Do you want me to go down the thread? Being a great hitter takes the discipline to understand that you're going to struggle. And that when you do, it's important to figure out why the whys. And those go way beyond the distribution of your weight, the angle of your the bat enters the zone at. It's a puzzle. The only way we can really solve that puzzle is creating freedom in the box. That freedom usually comes from some blend of confidence, belief in oneself, and the ability to make adjustments in real time based on what the circumstances are in any given moment.
1: I told Mike as I was writing that, uh, I, I go, I go, watch this. This is how you get engagement. And I didn't really know how much traction it was gonna get, but within 30 minutes, it got a lot. And I I was thankful that it did because messages like that matter to me. They matter, they matter to the game, right? They matter a lot because I, I meet kids daily who have no idea what they're doing, no idea. And they're terrified. And,
0: Jimmy Fry. Jimmy Fry retweeted it. And said my grandpa said Amen. She well,
1: don't. <laughs> here's the scary part, right? Here's the scary part about what you said.
0: So Jeff Fry hates he hates Bellatero, but he loves exactly. the message. That's way to be yeah. Way to know what the market is. What the Correct. Reality of the market like this, yeah. but
1: this is the whole point. Freaking burner. Account. This is the whole point, Bobby. <laughs> you got people. It's so it's become about being right or and argumentative and loud. Instead of actually helping players get better. And that's what sucks is everybody just wants to be like they drink their Haterade in the morning and I guess it makes them feel better, which is why it's really difficult, I guess, to do anything with substance anymore. Cause this dude is sitting there. He likes my tweets, but he shits on you. And I, you guys realize we're in alignment, right?
0: The, uh, yeah, it's not even hypocrisy. It's it's, it uh, is
1: hypocrisy. Ir- it's but irony. It's it's also hypocrisy. It's irony,
0: though. It's yeah,
1: and it's lack of it's lack of awareness.
0: It's it's ironic. It's hypo ironic. Credit. How do you merge ironic and hypothetical? Hi, uh, hi, hyper, not even hi- hi,
1: hip, 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 hypocrisy. Hip, hypocrisy hip, and hip, ironic. It's hip, Yeah. Hypocronic. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Well, let's
0: let's do this. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about motor preferences. Have we talked about motor preferences? Because almost every hidden conversation I have now enters that conversation. Do you want to talk about it?
1: Yeah, but I, I'm so messed up that I can't. I can't. I don't even. I don't even know what to do. Swope, Swope literally said to me when I when he, I was standing at third base, like I'm gonna f you up, dude. It's what it is. And
0: so, motor preference experts. Um, is the business Matt Swope, the the hitting coach at Maryland, is behind is the one of the, the, the man behind the business. Genius. He has a business partner as well. He has a business partner behind him as well, and I forget his name, and I apologize for that right now. Um, but he's in France and he's not here yet, so I don't feel too bad because we haven't formally met him yet. But the the basic concept, the way that I like to think about it, is motor preferences are the way your body wants to move based on your brain. So if you think of like a fight, think of a fight or flight situation where you just react and you're, you're, you are you you do not think about mechanics. You don't think about how you're going to run away. You don't think it's just your, your body's most natural reaction, the, the neural pathways that exist, the way that you're wired. That's how you're going to move.
1: It's more about balance. In the context though. of a it's swing. It's all about balance. Everything's about balance.
0: Balance is a big part of it. Balance is a big part of it. It's, when it when it factors in throwing, its balance creates good flow of energy. It cre- it reduces stress. So there's injury prevention aspects to this. There's like I think when when I try to swing, like the amount of effort that it takes to get me to move certain ways, I'm just I feel like I'm fighting against myself so hard to try to do something. When I when I put myself in positions where I feel like Are more, quote, in preference. My body just wants to move, and I I do feel more balanced, and it feels like the things that I'm trying to achieve happen better. But it might not be from a style or from a positioning that I would have landed on, based on the history of my experience with the game. So
1: the thing that I, I was talking with chiropractor about this, and everything motor preferences defines what it talks about, what it refers to is about understanding how to let humans do what their bodies want to do now in a perfect world. You know what, why Mo Norman was so good because he never allowed anyone to take him out of his preferences ever. It just, whatever happened is he was in preference and then he just understood how to hit the ball straight. And then when he did it, it, it he built an utter confidence to be able to do that over and over again. The,
0: I just, yeah, I think his his brain just worked in one well, way, and but he, that's the only way that he could swing. But there's a whole teaching method. Like some guy created a whole method to try to recreate it, and it's the most. I watch it, and I'm like, that's the, it, it, such a lack of authenticity. But when the I watch problem him is, swing. nobody else is more I'm Norman. Like if you can learn how to do nobody it, nobody else is
1: more Norman. Right, the asymmetries right. of the body, and th- this is why it's the motor preference stuff is about balance and asymmetry, right? for years now, I've listened to strength coaches and therapists and people in the PT world talking about trying to balance the human body. The human body is asymmetrical. We have, we have dominant arms, we have dominant legs, we have dominant eyes, we have dominant everything. So why are we trying to balance the asymmetries in the body without understanding the asymmetries in everybody? So what the what the MPE stuff allows you to do as a hitter is the the application in hitting and it applies to stance and uh, gather profiles and load profiles and barrel angles and my favorite part about it is it's an open book that allows for different styles that then applies to different loads gathers and loads to different swing characteristics. But the best part is that when you tell somebody it's their normal, all I'm trying to do is help you understand your normal. We get close as close as we can to removing swing doubt. That's, that's the beautiful part. You get as close as you can to removing doubt about the way you're moving. You get as close as you can to being the six-year-old who picks up a bat for the first time and does what their body does. That's awesome. That's unbelievable to me.
0: The the thing and the reason that I, there's a couple of things that Swope has said to us, a lot of things that have like really stood out, but when I think about there's any hitting coach who's honest with themselves, they have players they lose sleep over. They have players that, No matter what they do, no matter what feels they try to create, no matter what drills they do, what implements, what it's just they can't. This certain hitters just don't get it. They can't execute what you're asking them to do. And what I'm learning to just embrace is that they're not going to and they're not supposed to. And it's more about finding what works for the player than getting the player to do what you think is right. And when you look at it through that lens, if you just flip it and say, I need to find what works for this player. Based on their needs, not based on what I think is right or what, what whatever model I think they fit That's into. That's why. It's just it's – it's the exact – you're just looking at the problem from a different lens. There is no right. It creates so That's much That's why freedom. there is
1: no right. There isn't a right. There's a right for each individual, yeah. right? and
0: Everything is right and everything so is exactly,
1: wrong. Exactly. It's this existential philosophical Zen. Like uh, My favorite thing that came from uh, that thread that I posted, <laughs> somebody put uh, a thing about Bruce Lee. And they said, uh, so like, what, what is your thoughts about technique? And he said, or it's a really cool quote. He said, uh, to have no technique, basically. Like, uh, if you scroll down a little bit look at it, and this goes to the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, the whole be like water concept. It's being ultimately adjustable and completely open to not being married to, a concept or an idea or something that somebody handed you. And I can imagine that in the martial arts, slowing everything down and and the ability to really center your brain on freedom, like it's because it comes down to freedom, right? As as athletes, we, we try to live up to these standards that society or the game or scholarship or results have in front of us. And those those burdens are real right those burdens are incredibly real you know there's a reason why people that are talented don't have success result wise at certain points in time and most of it has to do with the standards that they're trying to live up to because if on any given day and that's why steve springer's message about play every day like it's opening day is awesome because on opening day we we we, we play this Excited, really happy to be back at the field. Uh, there's the the level of expectation is low, and sure you're thinking about what you want the end to be, but you don't, you haven't carved out any of the path yet. You haven't taken the first step of the race, so you don't you don't know which direction the race started going. You don't know if you're in the lead, or if you don't know you don't know if you're at the back of the pack, and that that feeling is that is true freedom right? That is true. There's no burden. You have no burden on you of like, I'm hitting too good or I'm hitting too poorly or I'm somewhere in the middle and I need to go up or I'm going to go down or whatever it is. And that, if we could get players, I promise you, if we could get players to play with that mindset every day, and it's impossible, batting averages would go up across across the board in the game, in my opinion.
0: It, yeah, it's it's amazing. We've had some really good guests. I, I think back to Bobby Magianis as as one that really stood out to me. Um, Major League mindset. I just saw him on Twitter. Now I'm blanking on his Brandon name Geyer. What's his Come name? on,
1: man! Brandon Guyer. I'm on sorry, the network, Brandon. For God's sakes.
0: I know. I know. No, he's crushing it. Um, his his talk with Getty on just like it's amazing what the mind can do and amazing what <clears throat> just being more confident will do. Just that alone, like having somebody believe in you, having somebody state what they think you're capable of. But that's of. why
1: everybody needs to have a support system. Unbelievable. You have to have a support system. You have to have somebody You have to, have something to fall back on. You have, you have to have somebody to talk to, somebody to rely on, somebody to share with, and if you don't, if you're like an internalize a person who internalizes stuff, then sure, you can do it yourself, right. But life is hard because of all this stuff, because we're trying to live up to certain standards. And that's it, because fundamentally, waking up every day, doing stuff, it's not hard. It's not like the physical act of walking and being and waking up and going to sleep. They're not hard things. It's just it's everything else that's wrapped around it. That's why information can be terrifying a lot of times. And when you have too much of it, when you're young, and you're naive, and you don't, you don't know, you haven't built any armor yet, you haven't built armor to the outside world, you don't, you don't know that you're supposed to vet your sources. It's why we, we told little kids for ever, don't talk to strangers. Because people will say the most random messed up stuff, right? Try to. They're trying
0: to. Haven't thought about. People. I haven't thought about social media as a "don't talk to strangers" angle. My mind all. goes. That doesn't cross. <laughs> That's funny. No, but it's true. Like, if somebody's saying mean stuff to you, just I, I said at this, <laughs> at uh, at our Christmas Eve thing. If you don't like your Twitter following, if you don't, th- if you think your Twitter experience is bad, you're following the wrong people. You you literally dictate your audience there. It would be like going and sitting with people you don't like at lunch in, in middle school or high school. You just don't do it. Just don't surround yourself with people you don't like. And now that's, I think you, it's important. It has nothing to do with uh, challenging thoughts and ideas because I think that's important. And I prioritize that. I, I like to get people that challenge me and I, I, I consistently try to prove myself wrong with information. So that's just my approach, but... It's not avoiding things. It's not avoiding different thoughts and isolating yourself, but it's like certain people are just bad people and they're just rude and they're, it's unnecessary. Just avoid it. Well, just don't, don't participate. Yeah.
1: It, again, when you were young, what did they tell you? If you, it, like, you don't, you don't have to fall in line with things that you don't enjoy. Now we've gotten to a point where people seek out information that they don't like so that they can be controversial and polarizing. That's the door that, that the flood, that the social dilemma, that, that documentary opened up is it's like, at first social media was great. We were, we were calling out things that were people that were trying to take advantage of other people. Now it's just become this catch all, whatever you want to call it place where now people are just they're seeking out information they don't like to then be controversial. So now you get caught up spending most of your day, like you're using bandwidth on being arrogant or rude or whatever, just to do it. And you think you're holier than now because you're calling out something that doesn't make sense to you instead of actually vetting the source and saying, like, what is this person really trying to do? What is the intent of this human being? That's why it always goes back to intent. Can you identify the intent of a person? It, it and that should matter in everything and teaching, coaching, playing. Identify the intent of the individual. What is their true intent? I'm done.
0: That's good. Uh, next topic. Let's talk about heavy bats. Swinging heavy bats. You had a a post. You were featured in the post. I'm trying to pull it up right now. I'm not logged in on this computer. So you had a post at the uh, New Balance Future Star Series main event about swinging a heavier bat. Got pretty good action. Whoops, I should have logged in right there.
1: Can we just be clear about the fact that Barry Bonds never swung a 32? I don't know where. Yeah, he swung a 34. At one point in his career swung a 33, 33 and a half early, but he never swung a 32.
0: Yeah uh let's see that posts 174,000 views that's pretty good uh there was action on there 79 comments so there was there's a lot of i didn't realize it was getting that kind of activity and then I, I i poked my head in there and people were mad people people were upset um so take us Just to, to it. To be clear take us to it and and also ryan spilgorg told us a story the other day about Swinging a heavier bat and how it helped teach him how to control his barrel and that it was so hard initially, but it figured it out and it made a big difference in his career. So, so the, the light,
1: just to be clear about what I'm referring to as the, the small bat era, the light bat era, when I was in Little League, I had a 31-23. That's one. Right now. Yeah, drop eight, right drop now,
0: nine. Yeah, I swung a drop eight. Right
1: now, you can go see a Little League kid swinging a 31-17 or 31-18. Which is a feather
0: uh, drop thirteens. I've never seen a drop fourteen, but drop thirteens are very normal. Drop twelves are nobody uses a drop nine now. Dro- I, I I had a TPX White Shark, the the white and black. It was a thirty twenty one. Then the Mega Barrel was a thirty twenty two. That thing was amazing. It, uh, yeah, the super light bats. It, I think it allows bad patterns. It allows you to get get away with stuff.
1: Yeah, especially when it's a rocket launcher. And again, just to be clear on how short sighted our society is, somebody made a comment on this that I noticed yesterday that was like, who is this guy? I would love to see him take a real at bat and actually do stuff. Oh, nice. And I literally commented back and I was like, you can find a clip or two on YouTube, I, I would imagine, like had no idea who I was and that's fine. Like, I don't care about that part. His comment was, who the hell is this guy talking like if he were Pete Rose? You swing the bat that is comfortable for you. I actually agree with that line. When you're comfortable at the plate, you don't even think how heavy the bat feels and your whole concentration is on timing. Picking the ball off the pitcher's hand, great. The bat doesn't feel. I would like to see this guy hitting in an actual game. And I I kind of smirked as I was seeing it.
0: Go to, go to MLB.com, kiddo. Let's um,
1: go. <laughs> I, I may or may not have some game at bats in my life. I probably... I could go take one right now. If you want, I'll swing ai swung a 35 33 the other day in the cage with some of the kids. The, again,
0: I love when people talk trash and they don't know like,
1: this is the problem. Don't talk trash. If you don't know, it's fine to talk trash. If you're informed, be informed, right? Be informed
0: people people come at me and be like oh you don't work you've never worked with anybody you don't know what you're the, talking how about. about the guy
1: how about like, how about Ooh. the other guy who's one of the 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 minions? <laughs> who's one of the minions for uh the, the the movement was like oh i don't i i literally said to him i was like you've never been in the cage with the guy you have no idea what he talks about he's like i don't need to be i know what he doesn't talk about and i, I said, what <laughs> what like So again, it's this fabricated world where we're trying to just attack because you're just generalizing and thinking that you know everything about somebody because of one post about a drill that you have no context for. When all we're trying to do is share information with the world to try to help people see things that we saw that helped change our lives. It's not right for everybody been abundantly clear about that. But again, the heavy bat stuff, just getting back to getting back to this, we're, we're giving kids an unfair advantage when they're young and it's hurting them in the long run. So it's hurting swings. It's hurting swing characteristics. It's hurting, it's hurting the ability to, to grow into true swings. If you go look at the older generation of players, the Babe Ruths, the Willie Mazes, these guys grew up swinging bats that were heavy and they turned out okay. And then people go, whoa, the fastballs are way harder. Yeah, that's the whole point.
0: They'd figure it out. Babe Ruth, I'm pretty sure Babe Ruth swung a 40, ounce, 40 inch, fifty two ounce bat. I think they're in the Hall of Fame. There's a forty inch, fifty two ounce bat. The grip is like this. It's, it's a he swung a telephone pole, and like yeah, the velocity was slower. Got it.
1: The velocity is wrong. Give him
0: a thirty four. Give him a thirty four, thirty two, and let him come up through the minor league system when and see you what face happens.
1: Face velocity it can be a benefit to go to a heavier bat because it forces you into better patterns and it forces you to not do as much with the bat and it forces you to engage the proper muscles in your body, which is why when you, when you knock a tree down with an axe, you can't just do that with your arms. You can't just get handsy with the axe because the axe will swing you, you'll fall over, you'll never cut a tree down. Right? Am I right? You can't use an axe the wrong way and knock a tree down.
0: It's it's gonna be a a labor. If process. I use a
1: power saw or whatever the hell the you want to call it, yeah, right, like I just stand there and go, Oh, I can use my fingers. We're trying to solve a problem in hitting that is always gonna present us with new challenges, right? Pitchers are always gonna present us with new challenges, whether it's a new pitch type, a speed, a spin rate, of this, of that. And on defense we have to counteract what the pitcher's doing if pitchers were all throwing straight fastballs that went in the same location like great grab a 12 ounce bat that has rocket propulsion in it and just tap it and you're done but guess what that's not hitting that's not that we're trying to solve an old school problem with these new wave solutions that don't actually get to the core or the crux of like how difficult the challenges to solve. And anybody that's hit for a long time understands those, which is why the older guys get the that's why Brandon guyer has started major league mindset. That's why hitting coaches like Bobby Mags went and got psych degrees because they understood how difficult the challenge was and we deal with it every day. So it's so normal to us. A parent of a 12 year old who never played baseball, just sees it as this linear problem. I was talking to my dad on Christmas Eve, and he asked me why guys struggle, right? Why, like, why do guys struggle? And I said, dad, you were a savage when you pitched, right? And my dad doesn't do a very good job considering other the way other people think. I said, you were a savage. When you, when you got your ass kicked on a, on a Tuesday pitching, when you came back and threw the ball again next week, you use that anger and that fuel and that emotion to just drive you to a, a, a next level type stuff. As a hitter, if you're dealing with that anger daily, right? And you're going in the box, you're over squeezing or trying too hard. It's detrimental a lot of times. And depending on your learning style, depending on your motor preference, anger can be motivating, anger can be detrimental. It just depends on who you are, and how you deal with emotions and problems and how you learn to apply those things in real time over the course of I don't know how many of that. So You can't sit here and and just say, yeah, there's this like one model that works for everyone. You have to explore, you have to try, you have to learn, you have to experience, and that's how you you gain wisdom. That's that's where wisdom comes from. Until you do it, you can't be wise about it. Until you do it, you can't be like water. And oh yeah, I've hit some balls before in my life. Guy that commented on Instagram
0: couple all right let's move on <clears throat> final topic of the day Carlos Correa is in a, uh, a quite a predicament with his free agency so he signed with the Giants for a lot of money first 13 world, years deal fell through physical something going on back, back his me. back maybe he's got a back something's going on deal falls apart immediately the Mets snatch him up, splash the pot. Uncle Steve is just, there was one tweet that was like, you can't keep spending money like this. And he's like points at a seagull four years, three hundred thirty six million dollars. Um, I thought that was a funny tweet. Uh, now the Mets have issues with this physical. What I guess, what do you think is going to happen here? Seems like there's something wrong with this physical. If it multiple I think we're- I, the, the latest on MLB trade rumors said that they still think a deal is going to happen. But I mean, they they could just get an insurance policy and have a go at it. I think it, right? we're
1: trying too hard to predict the future. Is what I'm seeing in all of this. I understand if you're spending an exorbitant. If there's listen,
0: some legit, there's got to be some legit things going on for this to.
1: But we're talking about a guy who has very limited DL time, plays pretty regularly. We're trying to again this this is like the antithesis of what the motor preference stuff is allowing us to do if we understood motor preferences if if like blanket across society we understood motor preferences you would understand that this guy might have had an injury because of some whatever reason and the likelihood of, of him being injured again is is incredibly low we can't predict the future no matter what we do we've been trying for a hundred years thousand years or billion years it doesn't work It just doesn't work because it hasn't happened yet. So we don't know, and we can profile certain body types and and styles and things like that. And again, when you're dealing with these like huge sums of money that are going to dictate the direction of an organization, I certainly understand. And I think all agents understand that like, yeah, they're just trying to, you know, check and recheck before they do it. At some point you have to take a risk here, right? And if you think Carlos Correa is the answer, then so be it. Like, I I appreciate the Mets for going for it. They're very much going for it. Uh, I appreciate the owner Steve Cohen because he wants to win. Like that's it. He just wants to win, and he's got an infinite piggy bank. So good for him. Just go win. That being said, I, I'm I don't know. I just it's it's above my pay grade, and I can't. I don't know. I can't expand on it more than that. Like, either guy's good or he's not, and you think he can help you win, or he he won't. You make a decision at some point. It has to be subjective.
0: Yeah, it. Yeah, it's uh, it's got to be a weird situation for him as a family, like trying to figure out: Am I going to San Fran? Am I going to New York? Am I? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal. I don't know what the actual. If it's holding up deals like this, it's got to be significant issue. I would imagine. Could the be guy wrong. had
1: no injuries last year? Right. He played. He just played. He didn't go on the deal. Yeah,
0: but if you're yeah, maybe he ends up with another short term deal. Ra right, Dickie
1: had no UCL, and it turned out okay. Like guys were like, "Oh, you can be through knuckleball, whatever." It, it, this is what it comes down to for me. Is like. The guy's either going to figure out how to be a productive player or not. Now I get it on on a at, at the a primary position on defense. Like first of all, if he goes to the Mets, he's not playing shortstop. He can play third base. So the my point is, this is like the whole argument of guys like Babe Ruth and oh, put him in this generation. Like guys that are good are going to figure out how to be good regardless of the circumstance around that's it. Like, and that's why you got to vet the human and say, like, is this a player who's willing to do whatever it takes to be on the field, regardless of the circumstances? You know, you can look at players over time and say, okay, well, this guy signed his deal and then he sucked and whatever, blah, blah. Like he was just trying to fool the industry into believing that he was good or whatever. That's, that's the scary part about long-term deals. You just, you know, you're probably terrified of the makeup of the human is the guy obsessed with winning? Does he love baseball? This is something Peter Gammon said to me last summer. He goes, the first thing on a, on a scouting report should say how much, like what level does he love baseball one to 10? Because if you love baseball, then the other stuff's just secondary, right? That's why I, I I had no problem signing me because I knew I loved baseball. I, and I'm probably the only person that knew about me. Right, nobody else really knew. You can't ever say you know anything about anyone because you're not in their brain, not in their heart. You don't can't see into their soul. So you do the best you can and you evaluate the circumstances in front of you. And that's it.
0: Yeah, a couple other deals. Uh, there's there's still quite a bit of free agency stuff. JD Martinez to the Dodgers. Did we talk about that last week? No. I forget. He's one of them. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors did a, a post, the largest contracts in MLB history, and then the largest contracts per team. Um, I thought it was pretty funny that the Pirates' biggest contract is, where is it, Cabrian Hayes' 8 years, $70 million, this is the biggest contract they've ever done. So, like, Max Scherzer's getting that in two years. And uh, Verlander's getting that in two years With the Mets, that's funny uh, The Royals, four years, $82 million. At least it's four years $20.5 a year White Sox, five years $75 million is the biggest deal they've ever done Seems pretty light for a Chicago's not a small market Not that there is a small market, but
1: Yikes Yikes If you want to win, you need good players Good players are going to get paid
0: uh, Mookie Betts is the biggest contract by volume by by total value, but it's twelve years, three sixty-five. Trout is ten for three sixty. Judge is nine for three sixty. That's a lot of quiche. Uh, Lindor, Tatis, Harper, Harper's thirteen for three thirty. That's a lot of a lot of money. They're
1: the best players in the game. They, they should get paid. Yeah, <clears throat> infinite. Yeah, they are the franchise. A
0: Rod's number fourteen. A Rod is fourteen and fifteen. A ten year for two seventy five and a ten year for two fifty two. That's nice.
1: Well, the the second ten year deal came in the midst of the first one, didn't it?
0: Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, and then just interesting free agents still. Uh, let's see. Got the list here. Josh Bell. Reese Hoskins is a free agent. Did Josh you know that? Bell Darren signed Ruff.
1: somebody,
0: didn't he? Uh, did he? Yeah. Well, he's still listed as of twelve twenty-five.
1: Josh Bell signed somebody.
0: Had to have been yesterday? Because these are these are free agents still in the market. You can Google it, look it up.
1: Josh Bell signed somebody. Cleveland. Josh Darren Bell signed
0: is it not a done deal?
1: Uh, I mean, maybe they didn't put the paperwork through, but he signed with Cleveland. Signed like a yeah. two-year deal.
0: Whit, Whit Merrifield is a free agent. Jonathan Scope is only thirty-two years old. He's a free agent. Nick Ahmed is a free agent. Javi Baez, what's he gonna do? He can opt out of remaining four years. So I guess he's... Josh
1: Bell on December sixth signed a two or December twelfth signed a two-year deal. Team announced.
0: Oh, sorry. These are players projected to be free agents. That makes more sense. This list became less interesting based on reading the title.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Apologies.
0: Apologies. Well, uh, current free agents, Brandon Belt. He should land somewhere. Michael Chavis, only 27. Trey Mancini, Miguel Sano. Is Miguel Sano going to get a job? He hasn't, he hasn't panned He's out. a large human. He's got a lot of pop. He can hit balls really far. Is he where does he rank in terms of the most power you've ever seen? Hi. Like first hand. First hand, like witnessed in real it, life.
1: He's way up there. He
0: he just vaporizes yeah. balls, right? He just
1: Yeah. BPs are stupid around him. Like
0: he hit eighty three last year in twenty yeah. games.
1: Was not good? It was twenty
0: games. Yeah. Luke Voigt, guy wins a home run championship a home run title for the year and can't get a job. Robinson is still listed. That's generous. Uh and Dalton Simmons, Gene Segura. He should be signed. He's
1: we're we're starting to see in the game a, a trend to There's a
0: lot of guys that can still yeah, play. Yeah, more
1: guys being forced out of jobs than we've ever seen because of how we define what a player's worth, right? It's very clearly defined to organizations now, even right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, look at the war metric as whatever it is. My my dad asked me, he's like, how's Michael Conforto get this deal? And I was like, just look at his war numbers, man. Just look at his war numbers. That's it. But then Casey Smith brought up a great point to me the other day. He goes, um, somebody tweeted side-by-side comp of Andrew Jones and Mike Trout through their age 30 seasons. And Andrew Jones is uh, better right there. in most categories than Mike Trout. Mike Trout has more walks, more bags, and is hit for a higher average. So he's done it in less plate appearances, but he's got like 20 more points of war than, than Andrew Jones did, or 18 or something like that to this point. Um, Andrew Jones was really good. <laughs> really good. And then he just kind of tailed off and he turned 30, but that happens. Well, I mean, his interest level in the game was probably down at that point. He just never looked like a guy. He got big and didn't keep himself in very good shape, which again, goes back to my point about how much you love the game, right? How much do you love playing versus how much do you love getting paid, achieving whatever you achieve and, and going, ah, I'm bored.
0: Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. Take us out.
1: Post show, uh, good job. See you later. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Kwanzaa. Hanukkah. All the above. Pickles. See you next year. Pickles out.
0: Twenty
1: twenty two. See ya. Twenty
0: twenty
1: two. You're out. Pickle out.